Welcome back to another episode of Sales Transformation brought to you by Lidium. In today's episode, we have David Delaney discussing the process of buying sales technology and the importance of having a well-defined process in place. So if you're interested in optimizing your technology stack and making informed buying decisions, this episode is for you. Colin, the mic is yours. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Sales Transformation brought to you by Ledium. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. And today, very excited to have David Delaney back on the show. He's the CEO and founder of Tenbound. He's also the host of the Sales Development Podcast. And if you missed the most recent episode where we uh, had David on and we talked about uh, sales technology and some of the things that are changing in that space, um, David talked about you know people, process, and technology. Uh, so definitely want to check that out. We have the link there in the show notes for you. We've got David back, but uh, for anybody who may miss the first episode, David, give him a little background on yourself, and then we can get into the topic that we planned out, which is the process of buying sales technology. Yeah, Colin, thanks for having me, man. Um, so w- I've been in the tech industry for a long time, and I was running SDR teams and inside sales teams prior to starting TenBound, and now we work as advisors to uh, those type of companies when they're trying to do their SDR strategy and and tactics. And we also are sort of an industry aggregator for the sales technology industry that SDRs and inside salespeople use over at tenbound.com. So you've been in the sales development space for for some time. Um, I'm sure things have changed quite a bit from when when you first got into this space. Oh my God. Yeah, dude. I don't even want to tell you. (laughs) um, I mean, I'm just very, very briefly, like when I first got into sales, like a million years ago, they flew a whole class of brand new salespeople out from California to Pittsburgh and put us in a three week intensive sales training with the, you know, the whole executive team coming in and out and put us up in hotels and stuff like that. It was wild. It was awesome. But nowadays it's like, Hey, you know, here's a phone, here's an email <laughs> address, yeah. go for it. So training's, totally training's on the zoom. Here's your yeah, zoom I know. It's all zoom and stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, yeah, totally different world. But one thing Colin that, you know, I look back on is when, when salesforce.com came out, um, yeah. We had we basically it was a, a desk phone, a um, like Excel spreadsheet with names and phone numbers and Salesforce.com, you know, lead lists of whatever the latest webinar was and stuff like that. Yeah. So that literally was that was cool, man. When that came out, it was like, wow, this is awesome. So now you fast forward 20 years. It's a different world. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, you know, something that I, I'm, you know, kind of off topic here a little bit, but just want to get your thoughts. You know, I'm seeing a lot. I've seen a lot just kind of with the current environment. A lot of teams now requiring their AEs to prospect more or move more towards like full cycle, um, where you know that wasn't always the case. What What are your thoughts around kind of the the full cycle AE? You know, some organizations still still operate that way, but definitely seeing like a higher prospecting quota for uh, full cycle reps now. Yeah, definitely seeing that. I think that there's a lot of factors that are going into that. Uh, one is that there was the traditional 
predictable revenue model that really took hold in the tech industry, you know, and predictable revenue came out in 2011. And it, it, it basically, it was kind of revolutionary at the time because it talked about how salesforce.com broke out their team into uh, SDR, BDR, sales rep and customer success. And, and so a lot of companies tried to model that and, and that's how they built up their sales team. And, and then this sort of vibe came out that if I'm a sales rep, I don't have to prospect anymore. And, and I can just kind of lean on the SDR team to get me the thing, the leads, you know, and just close deals. And that's a great way to think about it. But the best sales reps have always prospected, like constantly and filling their own, you know, funnel. And so that for some people never went away. But for some people, they're just like, I don't have to do that anymore. Um, so and and then I think when the tech industry like collapsed kind of at the end of the year, um, all of a sudden everybody laid off all of their SDRs, you know, not everybody, but a lot of companies just like shut down their whole SDR program. Mm. And so all of a sudden it's like, hey, everybody has to prospect, you know, and they're like, whoa, OK, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. This is yeah. not what I signed up for. I thought this was no. a sales job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's hilarious. Dude. It's yeah. just like, yeah, dude. I mean, like if you're in sales, you really have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you know, and you got to think of yourself as like a um, entrepreneur in your territory and do whatever it takes to, to hit the number. And it's like, how does that mind frame jibe with, I'm going to sit around and wait for marketing and the SDR teams to spoon feed me meetings. Like that's crazy, but yeah. I digress. Yeah. Ah, so now, now since you teed that, you know, you just kind of lobbed that softball. I've got to ask you where, <laughs> where does the SDR team report in your opinion, sales or marketing? Marketing. It's a marketing function. Um, and, uh, they need to be, you know, locked in, uh, in sync consistently with the data driven modern marketing, you know, machine that we've created over the last few years. And I just want to have a caveat call in to everybody listening. I, I'm over indexed on the sale uh, uh, technology industry because we work with software companies exclusively. And so I'm really everything's viewed from the technology space yeah. at, uh, mind frame. So yeah. this, I don't know how relevant this would be to a manufacturing company. Um, but, but um, if you have an SDR team, I always highly recommend having them report into marketing, um, especially if there's somebody in marketing that understands SDR and they can um, really enable them to be successful um, and uh, are passionate about the, the, pipeline development that, that they can achieve. Um, hopefully they're passionate about that. Hopefully. <laughs> if they want a job. Um, and and the, the flip side is it's like the, the old debate of marketing or sales. Um, yeah. the, 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 they should definitely be like paired up and mentored and coached and helped because most SDRs want to be salespeople, you know, in a couple of years. And so they can have that 
that relationship with sales um, as mentors and coaches and trainers and stuff like that. But um, but sales sales wants outputs. They they want meetings booked mm-hmm. on their calendar with the CEO of the company ready to buy. You know, right. <laughs> that's what yeah. they're looking for. They don't they're, they're I mean, some of them, but most of them, they don't care about like conversion rates and data quality and Mm-mm. webinar schedules and campaigns and events. Optimizing, A-B testing. It's just like, dude, just give me some meetings, man. Yeah. Yeah. So. Totally agree. All right. We, we can, we can remain friends and we can release your episode. So, Perfect. Uh, <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> um, well, Hey, in the first episode, which, you know, a couple of weeks back we had you on, we, we talked about, uh, kind of just sales tech, you know, landscape, everybody's seeing the 10, 10 bound, you know, market map, um, and just kind of some of the things that are changing and such. And, and we kind of briefly talked on, you know, just buying of technology. And so today I kind of wanted to, you know, sort of double tap on that a little bit and get into like, you know, I think a lot of organizations don't have a well-defined process for buying technology. Um, and I know this is something that you work with folks on. So just kind of wanted to, you know, what are some of the basics of building out a process for evaluating and buying technology? Yeah. Well, you, you hit the nail on the head. If you don't have any sort of policy for the company, then that's homework step number one. Like what is our official you know, step-by-step policy of buying technology? Um, and is it documented somewhere? So I bet if 99% of the startups that are out there don't have that, and I'm talking like, you know, just a few sentences on a piece of paper, because the way that it's happening right now is, um, it, and this totally depends on, are you a startup? Are you like a, you know, getting some traction or a big, you know, bigger, more established company? Um, but the way it's happening is you've got the executives, the middle managers, and the, the SDRs or the sales reps, and they're all kind of coming at it from a different angle. Um, the executives are, it's much more, um, you know, the old school way of evaluating several vendors and taking lots of demos, talking to people about uh, in their peer group about what's working and what's not. And then recommending that down to the uh, middle managers to implement. Um, middle managers are hearing stuff from their team. They're hearing for needs and 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 then hearing in the community what is working the best for that specific issue. And then they'll go through and and have to uh, bring it up to the executive to ask for permission to put it in. Mm-hmm. And then you have the the SDRs and the inside sales sales reps who are hearing from their peer groups about stuff that's working. They're trying to solve specific issues and they, they can just go on and sign up for free trials and free like lifetime deals and plug in a bunch of stuff without even telling anybody else um, and, and start using the technology immediately, which, you know, number one, you talked about last time, the, the, the overabundance of tools that are plugged in. And then number two, what about like security and how does this align with the process that the company's, um, you know, uh, focusing in on? Uh, so anyways, there's a lot, a lot of different ways that people are going about this, depending on the size of the company and their level in the organization. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's pros and cons for people just going and trying new tools. It's great if they work, it's, you know, not if they don't, or they don't follow just kind of your process as a sales org. Um, but yeah, a lot of companies are making it easier for people. You even see sellers paying for stuff out of their own pocket. Cause they don't even want to deal with the battle of getting budget. And they're like, Hey, it's useful to me. It's helping me better at my job. Um, then you've got, you know, different people using different tools and, and so on. Um, so it can get, it can get quite messy, uh, quite quickly. Um, what are some basic, you know, principles or rules that you should have as an organization as far as like, um, adopting or trying new technology? Yeah. So I'll give you a, I'll give you like a tangible example. So that like, if you're a SDR manager and you're, you're in a meeting talking to the SDR, the SDR is like, Hey, I plugged in this thing. That's, um, amazing. You know, it's, it's helping me to pull down, you know, phone numbers for free and it's scraping the entire internet, you know, or something like that. Like they, they, they love this tool. And so as a manager right there, thing number one is, you want to make sure that you document that and maybe just even a spreadsheet that, that these are these are some of the tools that people are using and um, and, and, you know, they're getting value from. And, mm -hmm. and then also what what's the implication through the rest of the team on using this technology and and what are the payment terms? Um, you know, if the SDR is is going to buy it for themselves for, for that's, you know, at some point, the great, great initiative, buddy, but, but, you know, that's really not how <laughs> it should work, um, that you have to pay for it yourself. So, so I think step number one in that case is consolidating the tool list. And then you asked about the policy where it's, there's got to be at least one finance person at your company, uh, even if it's the CEO, if you're just starting. There, there should be a, another layer of uh, permission level before you implement anything. And the minimum would just be who's the sales rep at the tech company, the, the sales technology company that you're working with? Who's the sales rep? What, what are the payment terms and contract terms? And then, um, you know, how, how does this fit in from a security perspective at the company um, as far as sharing data and stuff like that? Um, just at minimum, start to document that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think those are all, you know, really tangible things that people can take away. Um, now, curious to get your thoughts um, you know, sometimes you have maybe sales leaders or more senior people that come and, and say, Hey, we use these tools here. And they just kind of inherently think like these are the right tools at, you know, new XYZ company. Um, what are some do's and don'ts there? Have you seen that go wrong? Um, you know, it could be as simple as, you know, Hey, we use this CRM, we should use it here. Maybe you shouldn't, um, or just in tech technology in general. Yeah. So that's one of the things, because I, I did a lot of interviews with people and asking them how they buy sales technology. Yeah. And one thing that kept coming up was if I've used it at a different company and then I, I started at this company, like it's information overload. Uh, I, I don't want to have to burn up a lot of calories like vetting out all these different tools. I know that thing works, so I'm just going to plug it in here. Yeah. And, and to, to your point, it may not be the perfect solution for your present company 
Um, and, and so even though I know that nobody's going to like this, but I would always um, do a pilot program or some kind of, you know, bake off between at least two or three different technologies before you really uh, make a, some of them make you sign like a yearly contract and right. you pay up front and you're stuck. And, you know, if, if you don't make the right move, then either you're stuck with this thing that nobody wants or um, the next guy that comes in after you leave the company, they yeah. come in and find out you signed a contract for this thing and, and it, it sucks. I'm I'm just laughing because that's hilarious, right? That the the tenure of the sales leader or the CRO is is uh, is shorter than the contract of the of the of the whatever tech they bought while they were there. <laughs> All the time, it's crazy. It's crazy, yeah. and and um, I mean, not to I'm not like trying to diss on anybody, but some of the older SaaS. Um, sales technology companies are just complete jerks about their contract. Yeah. Um, and you, you got to understand as a buyer, you've got way more uh, power than you realize. Um, it, they're very competitive and they, they want to, they want to um, just lost my screen. They, they want to close the deal. And so I would be very aggressive in um, uh creating terms that work for you as the buyer. Um, and, and, um, I'm sorry to all the vendors out there that, that might hear this. Uh, hopefully, you know, they signed off already, <laughs> but, um, I just want to, I, I want to give value to the listeners. Like if you're, if you're looking at a, um, uh, uh you're at the stage where you're going to sign a contract, you have more power than you think. Yeah, especially I mean, especially right now, people want to get deals done, right? So um companies are willing to be more flexible on terms than they probably ever were before. In the past, they didn't have to be. It's like, hey, if you don't want to agree to our terms, then so what? Don't care, because we've got plenty of people lining up wanting to buy this, right? Um yeah. that's not the case anymore. So you as the buyer of technology have a lot more power than you think, especially in times like now. And if you get a great deal with great terms and you know you've already evaluated it and you've followed sort of your buying process that you've built out um, and you know you're going to use it for a long term, why not sign a multi-year and you know lock in a good deal with good terms, right? Because um, a lot of the big tech companies, and, and we all know you know the ones that we're I'm talking about um, like to increase that contract every single year. And once you've, you know, are, you know, used to using it and your team's used to using it and you've, you know, built out integrations, customizations, things proprietary to your business and how you do things, it's really hard to leave, you know, some of those uh, companies. Oh, big time. And they know that. I know. And I've got the scars to prove it. There's one thing I won't name the company. Okay. But, um, I think if anybody savvy on the call would know who yeah. this is, their little trick is they, um, they don't email you until after the automatic yearly subscription has already mm. passed the deadline. Mm. And then yeah. they email you and go, Oh, congratulations. You just got another year locked yeah. in. Yeah. Or after the notice period, right? Like yeah. typical notice periods, like 30 days, some will sneak in a 60 or 90 day and they wait till yeah. after that window. And like, here's your new contract with the uplift in the uh, value with no additional, you know, anything for you. Yeah. 
So there's two things. If thing number one is the boring, you know, policy discussion that we were talking about. So you got to make sure that you know who signed the contract when it comes up, who's the point of contact there for every piece of sales technology that you have plugged in. You got to know that. Um, thing number two, just as a steward of the resources of your company, you got to know that. Thing number two is um, if they try to pull that kind of sh stuff on you, yeah. escalate it. it. Make so much noise that that it's deafening because yeah. um, because they will they'll try to keep shifting you to some low level you know person at the company and and hope that you just kind of go away. Um, but it's you should not have to deal with that. It's it's really sleazy. Yep, yep, totally agree. Well, hey, David, this is all very insightful for those that are on the you know uh, have buying new technology on the top of their mind. Uh, appreciate you coming back on the show again. Again, if you if you missed the first epi episode with David uh, a few weeks back, the links in the show notes. Uh, where's the best place for people to get into your world, or anything else you want to share with them before we wrap things up? Yeah, man. I mean, one of the things when we were talking to uh, people buying sales technology was they always relied on community and talking to their peers about what works and what doesn't and reviews. Reviews were huge, obviously. And and we wanted to carve out a niche for sales technology. So we, we brought the uh, directory of tools to the front of 10bound.com and we'll have community and reviews on those profiles. So if you're interested in sales technology, check out 10bound.com. And if you sell technology and, and you'd like to get in front of the audience, fill out a free profile and, and get that uh, set up. Yeah. Awesome. Appreciate it. Uh, if you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review, share the show with your friends. It helps us to reach more sellers and sales leaders to help transform the way that they sell.